any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if you've committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. And we just trust the Lord to bless his word to our hearts this morning, and our text is 516. Confess your faults one to another, pray for one another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We looked last week at how becoming a Christian was more than just putting your hand up and attending church. It was totally surrendering your life to the Lord. It was endeavoring to live a life that is holy and acceptable unto him as best you can, acknowledging our weaknesses, but to endeavor to live as best you can for the Lord. You see, total commitment it means following Jesus and doing what Jesus wants us to do. And one of the most important topics that Jesus, I believe Jesus taught was the importance of prayer. From our reading, we, we read about Elijah and our brother prayed this morning about a kind of a, a belief in prayer and, and a power in prayer. And there was power in Elijah's prayer. And I, and I asked myself, and you can ask yourself, is there power in your prayer? I mean, do you honestly believe that when you pray that for something that it's definitely going to happen or it's going to happen in God's will and God will lead you and guide you? I mean, to pray to ask the rain to stop and to stop, that's power in prayer. And it's faith in God because when the rains came and he said to his, uh, one of his disciples, he seen the cloud the size of a man's fist. And such was his belief and his power and prayer that he knew that the rain was going to come and the earth would bring forth much fruit. And so it's important, church, for us to realize and us to look at ourselves again and look at our prayers again and say, is there power in my prayer? You know, Martin Luther he said, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. To be alive without breathing. I think it was Spurgeon, wasn't it, was asked, what's the most important thing to do? Read your Bible or pray. And he said, that's like saying, what's the most important thing to do, breathe in or breathe out? They both work together and help us. And we need to look at our prayers, folks. Jesus and in all the, the epistles in the New Testament, they highlighted, I would suggest, eight, eight principles of prayer. And the first one is always pray according to God's will. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. You see, we talk about power in prayer. There's power in prayer only when we pray in God's will, folks. Only when we pray in God's will. It's a very important principle that we need to realize. That we pray in God's will. We pray in the name of Jesus. Whatsoever you ask in my name, it says. John 14, 13 and 14. 
And when we pray in the name of Jesus, yes, it's an acknowledgement, but it's a, a, a claim on the authority of Jesus. <coughs> Excuse me. It's a claim on the authority of Jesus over that which you are praying for. And therefore, that should signify that uh, you're, there's power in your prayer. Excuse me. <coughs> when we pray in his, in his name, it's like the seal of authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. When did demons flee? You know, demons didn't flee when Paul and Peter just prayed. But when they prayed in the name of Jesus, it was the power. They were claiming the authority of the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. Then we're told to pray conscious of the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our life. And this takes more than just kneeling by your bed or lying in bed and praying. It takes time to listen and to see what God is doing in your life. And you know something, it's so simple. If you're uncomfortable with what you're doing, then the Holy Spirit, God by his Spirit, is trying to talk to you and trying to redirect you. And it's important that we, we, we see the ministry of the Holy Ghost in our lives. And the ministry of the Holy Ghost in our lives will come whenever we lose our anger, whenever we lose our bitterness, whenever we lose our unforgiveness. He can minister unto us and give us the strength. I've said this many times, sometimes we can be so badly emotionally hurt by someone that as a human being it's nigh on impossible to forgive them because it's in the back of the head. But you know when you are conscious of the Holy Spirit working in your life and the release that will give you to let that go, then there's going to be power in your prayer. Then we're also told in James 5, as we've read, 6 and 7, pray believing. It's so important, church. It's so important. I've told you I won't go and pray for someone at the front with the elders if I don't believe Jesus can heal them. Because it will be an insult to the Lord and it will be an insult to them. And elders, I challenge you with that. We've got to believe when we come down here that God's going to touch people's lives and change people's lives. And you've got to believe when you pray that God is going to intervene, that God will meet your need according to his will. Maybe not the way you want it, but he will meet your need according to his will. We've all done that praying for something and I said this before, that my last job, I was uh, done an interview for another job and my reason for taking this other job was I'd be at home at the weekends. Well, I thought I would. But anyhow, I thought this is definitely of God and the inspector who did the interview, I knew him well. And he knew me, so I thought, you know, this is it, I've got this job and I didn't get it. But you know something? Later on, another one came up and it was far better and I did get weekends off for a long time. You see, God, I believe God could, hate, could, could answer that prayer, but he answered it for my betterment. If I'd have went to that other job, the, the unit I was going to go into was disbanded and all the guys in it were, were put back into normal duty. So that wouldn't have been a good one for me. But this is pray believing. Believing that God will do what's best for you. Not answer and give you everything you want, but will do what's best for you when you come before him. I heard a very honest testimony of a young, and I will 
same age as me, so he's a young man. And he always believed he should have been a preacher. And he left a couple of churches because they wouldn't let him preach. And then he said in prayer, Alan, the Lord told me, I didn't call you to preach. And he says, from my acknowledge that my life, my spiritual life and my work for God has excelled through the roof. Excelled through the roof. You see, what he was praying for was very noble. But you know something? It wasn't what God wanted him to do. God had something else in the other field that he moved into. He reached many people and he did great things for the Lord. And so we've got to pray believing. And that sort of brings us to the next point. Pray without being selfish. You know, don't be the narcissistic prayer warrior. Lord, me, 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 me. Pray for others. Don't be selfish. Because God doesn't hear that. With a pray, certainly, it's nothing wrong with praying for yourself. But don't be selfish. And again, pray with a forgiving spirit. You know, church, ask yourself, is God listening to me while I'm unforgiving? While I'm holding a grudge against a brother or sister? Do I argue with God? Lord, you know what they've done. You know what they said. It's not right. Cheek them calling themselves Christians. That's an unforgiving spirit. The way I measure things, church, is I want to love people the way Jesus loved me. I want to accept people the way Jesus accepted me and I want to forgive people most of all because Jesus forgave me. And that's a good line, a good measure to go by. Pray asking the Lord to forgive your sins. Don't hide them. I told you last week about a minister friend. He tried to hide his sins by saying that God was blessing his life and therefore he didn't think it was a sin what he had done. You can't hide your sins from God. You can quote the psalm, why would I, heaven above thou art there, down in the earth thou art there, wherever I go thou art there, Lord. And if the, you, you say, you know, Christ in me dwells in me, he's with me every day, well, that means he hears and he sees what you do. And we need to seek forgiveness for our sins. We need to pray without becoming impatient. You know, I, I mentioned... God's servant praying for the rain to stop. But you know, read the book yourself. He prayed often. And he prayed for the land often. And he continued to pray. There's some people they'll pray maybe for a few days. They'll maybe even pray for a week. But then they'll become impatient and they'll stop praying. If you have something in your heart which you desire so much, don't give up, church. Keep praying and praying and praying and understand God hears our prayers. That's why the psalmist says, I love you, Lord. Why? Because you have heard my prayers. You've listened to my supplications. So he knew God was listening to him. And in saying that, he wasn't saying that God answered everything he asked for. But he was saying, I know you hear me, Lord. And that's a trust in God. And when you pray for something, know that God hears you. Know that he hears your prayer. He knows the desires of your heart. And know that he will answer your prayer in his time and in his will. I think of Cornelius, known as a man of prayer. How often must he have prayed for his family? And yet when God's servant came and told him, Thine thy household shall be saved. So God was listening to his prayer. 
You see, these are not the only principles for prayer, the only ones I could sort of think of at the time. But what they do is they tell us there is power in our prayer when we live by these principles. And what I mean by power in our prayer, that we have the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ when we pray. And when we pray in his name, he hears our prayers. When we pray in his name, he answers our prayers. And if we're praying in his will, then he will answer them in his will. We know and hear these verses quoted all the time, particularly in prayer meetings, Matthew 7, 7 and 8. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, receive it. And he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. John 15 and 7. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done in you. You know, people cut that verse in half. And they tell us that Jesus said, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done in you. You know, that's not what that says, folks. If you abide in me. So if we abide in Christ, and his words abide in us, then we can ask, because we will be asking in his will. If we abide in him and his word abides in us, then we can ask and it shall be done unto us. Church, this morning we've got to believe. Start believing if we haven't before that our prayers are powerful. Prayers changes things. Our prayers are powerful. Do you know something? You can do mighty things for the Lord. Mighty things for the Lord. It's wonderful when you see people who believe in the power of prayer. And I don't know what it is in Northern Ireland. We're restricted, we're inhibited, I don't know. But I've been richly blessed to be in India, to be in Kenya. And when they do an altar call there, they don't say it twice. They're down at the front. And they're believing. They're believing. And the, most, the one I can really remember well was an old lady. And she came forward, was in a mountain, Corrie village. And I was standing in the back of a lorry and I was preaching and it was a lovely service and they were worshipping the Lord. And there was people, I didn't know, but the way they work it out there, there's people pray for you uh, when you're preaching. And so there's about 20, 30 people in front of me. But whenever the altar call came, all of a sudden out of the trees, these people started to come and I thought, are we being invaded here? I've got to admit, I lost my faith a bit. I thought, we're going to get attacked but the, the, the thing was that they were afraid to be seen at the service. So they hid in the trees and listened to the service. And when they heard the call, they come forward. And I tell you, they were afraid. They were afraid for their lives, folks. Because they didn't want the local, and I'm not going to attack another religion, but the local religion of, of that area, seeing them come into a Christian service. Why am I saying that? It was the power of prayer. Because the guys who arranged this service knew that there'd be opposition and they prayed. And they prayed in the name of Jesus. And you know what? There was a great move that night. And many of them, through the, the, the pastors or elders, whoever it was, were praying with me. Many of them came to the Lord. And this wee woman actually was telling me about she was healed. She walked down on one side. And folks, I'm not an exhibitionist. If someone's healed, I don't want them to come up to the platform and start running up and down. They're healed, that's it. But she started swinging her leg. 
And she hadn't been able to do that in ages. That's the power of prayer. It wasn't me, folks. It was these people that prayed and they believed. And these ones behind me were praying and believing that God was going to do something. And I want that zealousness for prayer in this land, not just our church, but throughout the Isles of the Sea. A belief in prayer. You see, prayer helps us to establish reverence for the Lord. Think of the Lord's Prayer. When we say, our Father which art in heaven, that's the first step in prayer, recognizing God as our Father. The one that we have to keep our eyes and our focus on. And this is the thing about prayer, folks. Who are you focused on? This terrible need that I have, it could be an illness, it could be relational, it could be anything. But when I pray, am I focusing on this illness? Am I focusing on this situation? Or am I focusing on God? My Father, who watches over us. The supreme deity, the one and only God. We are no longer children of this world. Let's realize that. We are children of the kingdom of God. And our Father watches over us. And our Father hears us when we call on him. And that's why we say, hallowed be thy name. We're putting his name above every name. In heaven and earth, because he is the most important thing, not just in our lives, but in the universe. He sustains the universe. And prayer helps us to be, to, to be reverent before him. And to be reverent before him is to believe that proper prayer enables us to do mighty things for God. Effectual prayer, sorry, enables us to do mighty things for God. Prayer, folks, it helps us to know and follow his will. I told you about that guy who thought he was a preacher. He wasn't for a couple of years in God's will and walked away from fellowships because they weren't recognizing him. It helps us to see God's will. When we pray, thy kingdom come, don't forget we say, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're praying, what we're praying for is that God's will will be done in our lives, in our church and in our land. And that's not just amongst God's people, but the total establishment of God's people on the earth. Revelation 11 and 15 tells us, and the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. He shall reign forever and ever. When we pray, Thy kingdom come. We are praying for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ to come and reign as King of kings and Lord of lords. That's what we're praying for, that he might come and reign, take away all sickness, take away all pain, take away all hurt, take away all wars, and take away death. And that's what we're praying for. Thy will be done. I'm told that a lot of theologians distinguish uh, three senses of the term will. The first one is God's will of purpose. God's will will be done on this earth, in his time and in his plans. Then there's God's will of desire. But you know something? God's will of desire, and hear me out now, it doesn't always come to pass. Don't remember? Jesus wished that Jerusalem would be saved, Luke 13, 34, and yet Jerusalem would not. He does not wish that any would perish, 2 Peter 3, verse 9 tells us, yet there are many refuse to repent, and therefore they're going to perish. But that's not God's will for mankind to perish. He wishes all people to be saved, 1 Timothy 2 and 4. 
Yet many are willingly allowing themselves to be captive to Satan and to this world. And so therefore, God's will of desire doesn't always come to pass. And we need to understand that. When we reach out to people and they, they, they don't come, don't get disillusioned, don't get disappointed. You have planted the seed. Keep praying for them, don't be impatient. But if they don't, it's not your fault. Because there are people, it says in the word of God, are going to enter a lost eternity. It should make us maybe pray more. But you know something? If Jesus couldn't change them, what hope of you and I? Let's pray for them. Then there's God's will of command. And this is flagrantly disobeyed. The psalmist says, I delight to do thy will. Jesus himself in John 4, 34 said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. We want God's will done in heaven, so on earth. And therefore we should continually be praying because it will enable us to know, enable us to follow God. When it be wonderful if God's will would be done on this earth. Our children would not be fed with the nonsense of this world. Not be told the sins of this world are okay. But the will of God will be taught to them. And they'll have much happier lives. Prayer can help us with our temporal needs. Remember the prayer give us this day our daily bread. Bread represents food and food's necessary to sustain life. But we need bread for the soul, folks. We need fed by the, the, the bread of life. Because as his children, we depend on him. As his children, we need him. And we need him for our daily bread. We need him to help us overcome sin and temptation. You know, prayer is a wonderful thing to help you overcome sin and temptation. It helps, it's certainly a powerful tool to pray for others for their deliverance from sin. But to help us for, <clears throat> to, to, to beat temptation, prayer is a powerful weapon. Again, I've mentioned about forgiving our trespasses, we forgive others. And we looked a week or two ago how sin is looked at as a debt and the sinner as a debtor. You know, sin is wrong and it requires remittance. You know, it's commonly said, and you hear a lot of people saying that Jesus loves a sinner but hates a sin. Church, I might shock you now, but there are people now saying Jesus loves a sinner and he doesn't mind the sin. That's not what the Bible teaches, folks. And we need to pray for people that they be delivered from their sin because today they're being told that it's okay. And they're being told from pulpits, folks, that it's okay. God loves you. God understands you. Yes, he does. But that doesn't mean he likes the way you're living. And we can pray and have others delivered from temptation and sin. And against, <clears throat> we can pray for ourselves that we may be delivered. I love what the psalmist said. There's a recognition here of who we actually sin against. Against thee, thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. There's an acknowledgement, and we, we know that it is said that when David wrote this, if I can remember right, I think it was with Bathsheba, what it went on there. <coughs> Excuse me. And he acknowledged, against you, Lord, I have sinned. And as a Christian, whenever we do something wrong, it's against God we have sinned and therefore we need forgiveness because whom we sin against, we need forgiveness from. 
Forgiveness is to wipe away, dismiss or wipe off. And Jesus has already forgiven us. We wrong God through our sinfulness and we have received forgiveness this morning through the precious blood of the Lamb. And prayer can be powerful enough to help you believe that. And I said to you, many people ask, am I really forgiven? Yes, you are. And when you pray and ask God to open your eyes, you will see this. In Matthew 6, 12 and 14, forgive us our debts as we forgive others. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. Unforgiveness, folks, can be an obstacle to your prayer. And it can be an obstacle to you being forgiven. But prayer, a factual prayer before the Lord, honest prayer before the Lord will open your eyes. And as you're led by his spirit, you'll be able to forgive and move on in life. Again, you know, I'll not go into in detail. We're, we're, the Lord's prayer is lead us not into temptation. That's any kind of trial which draws us away from the will of God. We need to be serious in our prayers about this. We are not above temptation, folks. The more we do for God, you know something, the more the devil will try to thwart God's plan in your life. Jesus doesn't want his people to sin. James 1.13 said, Let no man say when he's tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. You can be tested from God, but you'll not be tempted by God. The Lord may test you, and indeed when he tests you, he'll never let you be tested above that which you're able to bear. He will strengthen you, he will bless you, and he will deliver you from evil. And what that actually means, I'm told, is he will deliver you from the evil one, from the one who's trying to destroy your life. Church, we need to learn, as individuals and as a church, there is power in prayer. Prayer is powerful. Prayer changes things. It may take time. It may take fasting and prayer. But you need prayer in your life. We need prayer in this church. And we need prayer in this land. And the challenge for each of us this morning is to examine our prayer life. Examine it and the, the, the things that we have spoke about this morning. Do we believe that God hears us? Do we believe that God answers prayer? And do we believe there's power in prayer? There's power to save your unsaved husband this morning, folks. There's power to save your unsaved wife this morning. There's power to save your unsaved children, your unsaved parents. There is power in prayer. Pray for them, folks. I remember a, a preacher years ago, uh, it was way back in the 80s, I'm sure, and he said, make a prayer list, put 20 names on it, and keep praying for them. And I've done that for 20 plus years. And you know something, five or six people have taken off that list because they've been led to the Lord. But I've put other names back on <laughs> because there's power in prayer. It might take longer than I want, I take the final hour. I've told you many times I led my grandfather and my dad to the Lord on their deathbeds. But you know something? That let me know God heard. God heard me praying for them. And in his will and in his time, they came to know him as Lord and Savior. Let's stand in his presence. I asked Pastor Peter and the team to come back. And come on, church, when you go home today and you're...
you're discussing things, talk about prayer. Talk to the Lord about prayer and examine yourself. We want to see this church filled and we'll try different things and we certainly will. And God will bless us for trying these things. But you know what's going to fill this building? Prayer. Prayer. Hallelujah. Will you say prayer, folks? There we go. You've heard me. Amen. Prayer is going to change things in here and fill this building. And God will bless us. Let's worship the Lord.